0: still want you hello brother i'm grace hello brother i'm stephanie and this is doppelgangers today we're talking about season 7 episode 11 of the vampire diaries which is called things we lost in the fire (laughs) namely elena (laughs) namely miss elena gilbert crazy crazy who was safe in a little storage container until damon just had to ruin it i mean these two That's why Tyler said, I'm not bringing you there. And Damon went and immediately burned her ass. Yeah. If I was Elena, I'd be like, hello? Excuse the fuck out of me. Like, Stefan and Damon, you're a mess. And I know you were just in hell, so it's fair in a way. But, like, let's pull ourselves out of this, okay? This storyline in particular just emphasizes the way that this show really struggles without Elena. Yeah. And, I mean, Elena was not always, like, a perfect example of anything, but she was this connection to their humanity, which I think helped like, yeah, Damon is Stefan's connection to his humanity, but it's not quite as strong as it was with Elena. And now we have to enlist a rando confederacy best friend for Damon to make him like see that he's evil. It's all a little bit like, because we lost Elena, they're trying to beef up the brother relationships. So we get less of everybody else. And a flattening of those characters. And that's what we get Caroline like helping Stefan. But it's very much just like, oh, it's not real. You're fine. Which is essentially what Elena would say. But for some reason, they're just not doing it right. Well, the way that he characterized Caroline, and I think this is a little bit a feature of her being pregnant. She's very much getting this like very generic girlfriend footage, like it's okay, come back to bed, it's fine. Like, in the nightgown, in the bathrobe, like, don't have nightmares. Again, it's just not true to Caroline's character because I know that really there's nothing Caroline can do. But Caroline, though she understands that this whole scenario is fake to Stefan, would not be the type of person who's like, well, that's actually not real. So hope that helps. So, hey, stop throwing stuff at your hallucination. It's a hallucination. Yeah, that's just not what Caroline would do. It's not what Elena would do. It's not what any of these characters would do. But what else can these characters do? Yeah. They're kind of writing themselves into a corner with this Phoenix Stone. I think they started writing themselves into a corner at the beginning of this season. And they keep like trying to get out of it, but then falling into the same situation. Like you can see they're sick of the town being empty. So they brought a bunch of people in. But now it's the same situation that they were in when they negotiated the evacuation, which was dumb from the start. Yeah, it's like the exact same situation, except there's more people who we're less connected to and there's a bunch of trash can fires. And it's just, it's a little lazy. It's like the town is in bad shape because look at all the bikers. And do you see that trash can on fire? Yup, yup, town's in disarray. It is very lazy. Yeah. I don't mind, like if when I'm watching a teen drama, I'm not expecting like the highest levels of nuance. Yeah. But when I'm watching the Vampire Diaries, I am. Because we've been here and we've seen how good this show can be. Mm -hmm. And so when we're doing like this lazy shit that I would like stomach from Riverdale, it's a little tougher here. Yeah. And it's also just the whole Julian of it all. It's like we need a different villain, which it seems like we're moving into with the end of this episode. It, It really is. Every time Julian is on screen, it's like rip his head out. I don't know why you're not. And it's just getting old. Julian is simply not working. There's no part of his character that is working. Lily had her own issues, which we talked about at length. But at least there were some good things about Lily that made any sense in the context of the show. Julian, like, there's not one storyline that Julian has been a part of by himself that I've been like, this is really added to this show. There's nothing interesting about it. He makes Marcos look like Klaus, honestly. I mean, and really what should have happened is, frankly, when Damon, not to get ahead of myself, when Damon has his little meltdown, he should have ripped Julian's head out right then. Because what exactly is Julian giving? And then we deal with the aftermath is the people are mad that they killed Julian. And we can still have the drama in the town. Yeah. Like, even make Mary Louise mad that he killed Julian. Because where's Mary Louise? Now Julian just has all these rando biker friends. And we don't get to know any of them except Ellis, kind of. Well, and now what we're going to fall into, I'll say it, Miss Huntress is going to come back. She's going to kill Julian right away to show that she will come back and hunt people. And then it's like, we just kept him alive for that. That's exactly where we're going. So I do want to ask you, it appears to me, based on something you said in the episode, that you have a new guess for what this chapter is called. Would you like to guess it? I believe indeed that it will be called the Huntress chapter. I would love to tell you that that is right. It's not. Oh, I thought you were telling me. No, I was like, yeah, she's fine. She finally gets to tell me that I'm right. It's almost right. And what I will say, and I feel fine saying this since we're now what? Three episodes into this chapter is that it is technically the Huntress chapter, but the name of the Huntress is the name of the chapter. OK, so now that we know it's the Huntress, what do you think her name is? You know, I love to make you guess the name. And maybe this this will be the time I get it now. I'm going to. Of course, go into my thought process instead of just saying a name and moving on. Please do. We have to assume she's kind of a Michael situation because she hunts people and continuously hunts them, like Bo. When you say kind of a Michael situation, are you implying she's a vampire? That she's a vampire. Okay. Or immortal in some way. Yes. That's what I wanted to hear. And we also know that she's connected to the Phoenix Stone and we keep calling it the fucking Hellstone in this episode. I don't know why we're changing the name halfway through, but- Maybe that's a clue. You know, my gut is giving me a name and I'm going to say it, Claudia. Okay. So you think we're in the Claudia chapter? (laughs) Well, it sounds stupid when you say it like that. (laughs) When I said Hellstone, I was like, should I guess Helen? (laughs) But I'm not guessing that. I feel like she has to be sexier. I I will say that the name is a sexier name. Carmen. Carmen's not a bad direction. I'm thinking like... Sexy people like Carmen Electra, Claudia Schiffer, something as an A, an uh. not Electra, but something in that realm. I have to tell you, you know, when you find out the name, you're going to be pretty pleased with those guesses. OK, you didn't get it, but you're going to be pretty pleased with how close you got. You had the right idea. OK. Anyway, we have a lot to unpack this week. But before we get into any of it, here's a quick ad. I will start, as always, by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. With the traumatic effects of the Phoenix Stone taking a toll on his brother, Stefan attempts to help Damon regain his grip on reality while secretly struggling with his own experience in the stone. Elsewhere, Matt and Bonnie deal with the fallout after Julian and his men take over Mystic Falls, leading Matt to spiral out of control and into trouble with an officer named... Now, I'm interrupting this synopsis because the synopsis does tell us the name of the lady cop we meet in this episode. But we don't hear her name in this episode. So I do want to tell you the name since they tell us. And so we can refer to her. But I want you to guess first. I know it's a big name guess week. It's got to be something boring. Emma. More fun than Emma. Okay. More unique, I should say. Amelia. That's the right level of uniqueness, but less fancy. Okay. Jacqueline. That sounds fancy, though. That's too fancy. See, Jackie is about as fancy as you want to be. It's not Jackie. Okay. But think more like Jackie than Jacqueline. Izzy? That's so the right idea, but it's not right. You're almost there. <laughs> is it like Sam? No, you're getting further from it now. So Izzy's close. Okay. So something a little girly. Yes. Okay. See, I'm in the tomboy phase, but you, you don't want to go too far with tomboy. I don't want to steer you down the tomboy route. I got Jackie from that tomboy thought that I was in. It's not tomboy, but it's more like it's like on the like a like a pick me kind of name. I wouldn't go that far. OK, no. I think you're going in the wrong direction with it. Chrissy? No. OK, I think I'm getting away from it. I think you need to tell me. I thought I was going to get it. It's it's Penny. OK, I was never going to guess that. <laughs> I figured you were. not I was never going to say that because that's a stupid fucking name. I like the name Penny. It's it's fine. But it's a stupid name for a character on this show. Well, I disagree. But that's okay. You're entitled to your opinion. I take it you don't like Penny. I mean, she's a cop and she likes Matt. So what's to like? So her judgment is not looking amazing. Let's say that. But that's okay. She'll be dead by three years from now, it appears. So (laughs) we'll talk about that when we get there. Meanwhile, Tyler returns to town for Alaric's baby shower and Caroline makes an upsetting discovery involving Alaric and his future plan for the babies. We start the episode at the Lockwood house. If we'll remember last week where we left everybody was Damon came out of the Phoenix Stone and then immediately like appeared to kill Bonnie, Matt, Caroline, and Steph. Mm -hmm. So we pick right up there, Damon looking around at, you know, his handiwork and realizing he's not resetting the Phoenix Stone clock. Yeah. Realizing, oh, this isn't hell anymore. I just went a little crazy. So he starts to freak a little bit. Then he goes first to Matt and feeds Matt some blood. He says, like, Donovan, you don't get to die. Matt does start to wake up. So cha-ching. And then he next goes to Bonnie. He feeds her blood and he says, I'm so sorry. She wakes up also, so she's okay. Damon says, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know I was out. And then luckily, before we get too much further with any of this, Caroline stabs Damon with a Vervain syringe hmm because someone had to do it. Exactly. A little bit later, Damon comes to, and he is chained to the wall in the foyer, and he says, yep, saw this coming. Yeah, you should see this coming. Yeah, it's a very fair reaction to the situation, and just be happy you're not in the Lockwood cellar. I don't know what you're chained to in the house. It can't be as secure. He doesn't try to get out. Yeah, he doesn't. He gets it. Then we go into the water. This is a dream sequence we see a couple times. Oh, I also should say while we're here, this episode was directed by Paul Wesley. And you can tell because there's a couple showy shots in here and the water scenes are some of them. It's classic Paul Wesley. I will say there's less showy shots than the last time he directed where he was like doing all the weird shit with the keys dropping. This time you can tell he just got really into the water tank idea, which I get. It's a little much for me. Well, I think how else is he going to communicate that scene? I think it's effective. I agree. It's we it's just we spend a lot of time on those shots. We really don't in the grand scheme. I feel like we do, but I mostly find water tank shots unnerving. Okay. in general. So that's just, I think, a personal bias of mine. I think it is mostly because it freaks me out because like if I'm being serious, it's about me. Yeah, I could tell because if I were an actor and they said, go in there and you can't blow any bubbles. What the fuck? How do they do that? Yeah, that does weird me out. That's scary to me. I hear you. So Stefan is in the water, but he's not in the safe, which is kind of what we expected him to be in, In his hell, is in that damn safe. Yeah. And we hear chanting. The subtitles say it's Nora, Bonnie, and Mary Louise, but I think it's pretty clear it was just Nora and Bonnie. Yeah. Damon says Stefan in the real world, but in the dream, Stefan hears it and reaches out. But then we go to the Lockwood house. Stefan wakes up, so we know it was a dream. Mm -hmm. And Damon calls for Stefan again. And Stefan says, yeah, yeah, I heard you. And he goes to him. Stefan said, fine, I'll wake up. Yeah, I wasn't sleeping or nothing. (laughs) Damon says, no vervain this time. Switching up the menu. And Stefan says, no, I just wanted to make sure you had a chance to calm down. And Damon says, oh, I'm calm. And I know what you're going to say to me. You're going to say I screwed up so bad. I nearly killed all of our friends because I thought I was stuck in a fake hell world. And Stefan says, you don't have to explain. Wasn't your fault. It was an honest mistake. You're getting a pass. And look, I do feel like really, what's the point of being mad at Damon about this? Because they all understand why he did it and everyone's alive. It's kind of all is well that ends well. But I do think we could give him a little bit more of a slap on the wrist here. He did try to kill everybody. Like, I don't think he needs to be completely let off the hook. I think we need to maybe reiterate to him that that is quite serious. We all get it. We all understand. But this is my refrain in most cases. You can leave him chained up a little longer. Yeah. You guys all want to let people off chains, and I get it. You trust people. But maybe if we had kept him chained up, he wouldn't have brought his lighter somewhere, okay? Well, okay, but let's be honest. Damon was trying to get unchained, and, I mean, this is another thing. This isn't really fair. But the problem is is that the only person who's available to really help Damon with this is Stefan, which is bad because Stefan's clearly not good. Yeah, but... Who else are they going to ask? Because Rick's having a baby shower. Caroline's having a baby shower. Bonnie's been doing enough. They can't really ask anyone else to do this again. Show really suffers without Elena. Well, I, I do think poor Stefan, because he got out first, had to deal with this on his own while trying to get his brother out. And he's clearly not gotten past it, which why could we expect him to? And then Damon comes out and immediately kills them all. Well, and then Damon comes out and seems to have no, you know, consideration for the fact that his brother might have been going through something. And Damon is, you know, bearing his own experience with hell, but he knows his brother. He's being a little bit glib, as he's known to be. And I think he's being a little bit rude to Stefan. And I'm okay with the glibness. That's his whole thing. But when he, like, makes a joke about Nova Vane, I'm like, I don't really think now now's the time, Damon. Like, yeah. I do think Stefan should not have unchained him so soon, but I also think that Stefan feels guilty with how little he's gotten done while Damon's been out, and then Damon makes him feel more guilty about that, so thanks for that, Damon, and I think in general, Stefan's trying to prove he's like on the up and up, because he knows he needs to be responsible, because Caroline's about to have a baby, and though we're all saying she's not going to take care of the babies, clearly that's not going to happen, I mean, Stefan's doing bad and he's trying to do better by helping Damon. It's classic Stefan. Uh, When he's doing bad, he tries to help someone else to be better. But he's clearly not in a place to do it. Yeah, I think it's clear that he thinks if he can help Damon, it will, you know, heal him in some way. And I think he's also in denial that this is still affecting him because in his mind, he quote unquote learned the lesson by Caroline being nice to him at the right time. Now, do I think that's a misread on the situation? Yes, but I understand why he thinks that because of course he wants that situation to be behind him. So he thinks he's past it and he's like, okay, I'm still a little shaky, but I'm past it so I can get Damon through it. And Damon's obviously masking this. So I have to spend the whole day with Damon to get him out of this masking process. And then we'll both talk about it and be good. Like it's a little idealistic, but that is classic Stefan, he's in denial. Stefan is also clearly, like, feeling guilty for letting Damon drown in his imaginary hell. Yeah. So he's like, I need to take care of Damon because if I don't take care of Damon, then the Phoenix Stone or the Hellstone or whatever word I choose to use was right because then I'm abandoning my brother for my own sake. And it's like, no, actually, sometimes you do need to prioritize yourself before you can help someone else. Yeah. You got to put your mask on first, babe. Yeah. Anyway... Damon says, wait, you skipped a bunch of stuff. First, I'm supposed to say I see the error of my ways. Then you tell me that's not good enough. Then you judge me harder. And I say something mean, but true, that totally throws you off balance. Damon's like, you probably should be a little meaner to me. Like, all love to me, I know that I didn't really have control over myself, but it does feel like you should be pissed at me about this. Yeah. Stefan says, you came out of the Phoenix Stone, but you thought you were still inside of it. Everybody understands. Which is funny because later it's very clear that Matt doesn't understand. Yeah, Matt's pissed. And Matt's right to be pissed, not to, you know, not to be a Matt Donovan apologist. See, my thing with Matt is, like, you've been killed so many times in different ways. Like, at a certain point, you kind of have to stop letting it get to you. Well, <laughs> also, at a certain point, stop hanging out with these people. Like, I got it when Matt wanted to hang out with Jeremy or Tyler. Like, none of these people are really close with Matt anymore. I mean, he was closest with Jeremy, Tyler and Elena, none of whom are who are here. And so now they're trying to make it seem like he and Bonnie and he and Caroline have always been close. And they're close enough, but not close enough for him not to be like, I'd rather be a cop in Grove Hill. We well, yeah, not close enough for him to want to be there when Damon wakes up from hell, because I'm sorry, all the love in the world even if I'm Elena and Damon is waking up from hell, I'm keeping a wide berth. <laughs> like, I'm standing in the doorway with a steak at the ready. Like, all love in the world. Not that I'm saying he, they all deserve to get killed. Yeah. But I don't really know what Matt was expecting. Like, even, you know, Stefan, Caroline, Bonnie, I get being shocked that he came and attacked you. Matt, did you think he was going to wake up from hell and be like, yay, my friend Matt? Like, well, also, I get why maybe Stefan thought he was going to be okay. But Bonnie, girl, if he kills you, he gets Elena back. I'm doing this spell on him. Nora, come over. And also, Bonnie, you had the visions of what's in this stone. So you know it's pretty bad based off the visions that messed with you. So, you know, let's just let's all be realistic in what we expect from Damon waking up out of hell. Okay. And Stefan also should have been like, hey, guys, like... And I mean, the lesson of the day is you should be more open about your hell experience from day one, Stefan. But Stefan should have said, hey, just FYI, like, this is how I felt getting out of the stone. I know my brother quite well. I imagine he'll be quite angry. I think we should keep some distance. Well, and we don't know exactly that if Stefan learned this lesson, but he seems to understand that when you're in hell, if you kill everyone, it resets. He seems to have experienced enough to know that. So It's just worth raising that. Like, I don't know if this is what Damon went through, but this was my experience that if I killed everyone, I got to go back and try again. I have no reason to believe Damon would wake up and not think this is real, but let's just, I'll get there. To be fair, they've raised a couple people from the Phoenix Stone at this point and no one's ever come out hostile. That's true. That said, in general, I don't think... I don't think we need to be so shy with the chains. I think we could have chained Damon to the table. Just And and if he comes out not hostile, great. Then the chains were a formality. He won't be upset by it. It really is. I mean, the, the two lessons of the day are be open about your experience in hell and two better safe than sorry. Yeah, that's always a good lesson. Anyway, Damon says that's pretty generous considering I just stabbed your pregnant girlfriend in the chest. And Stefan says, yeah, well, the Hellstone doesn't number on you. And this was the first time I was like, oh, we're changing the name. And it's I think they change it to, like, make a point that what Stefan and Damon associate with it is hell. But actually, it stands for something more, which is being reborn as your true self, which Henry says later, which I think is just kind of an unnecessary wrinkle. I think they're trying to tell us why they called it the Phoenix Stone. I think they were worried Hellstone sounded stupid when they originally named it, but now they're feeling like Phoenix Stone actually sounds stupider. And they're like, well, they were in hell, so maybe they'd call it that. So they're they're back and forth on the name. I feel. They're like, All right, do you guys think maybe we might have overcomplicated the name? And someone's like, I pitched Bloodstone, so fuck me. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Damon says, yeah, it does. Anyway, I'm here and it's real and I'm ready for my bro hug. So that would entail you unchaining me. You can hug with chains. Yeah. Stefan says, here's the thing, Damon. Hell messes with you, but post-hell is much worse. And Damon says, huh. Damon's like, that doesn't sound right. And then Tyler comes in, because remember, he thinks this is his house that is empty. That has been sitting empty while he's been off wherever. And now he sees Stefan is here with Damon chained to the wall. And he's like, excuse me? And Tyler says, you guys got to be kidding me. This is still my house. And Damon says, ah, Tyler Lock, I thought my allergies were acting up. Is now the time? Is, like, is that really the vibe right now, Damon? Stefan says, oh, I didn't know you were back. And Tyler says, yeah, Caroline invited me to her baby shower. Although she failed to mention the part about Mystic Falls going to crap. What happened out there? Damon says, oh, I can answer this one. We had to evacuate Scary Heretics, Fictional Mining Fire. You weren't CC'd on the memo. And Stefan says, actually, uh, I don't think he's referring to the evacuation, Damon. Yeah, because now the evacuation isn't the issue. Now it's just a bunch of people in leather jackets. Tyler's was like, what happened to Mystic Falls? Why does it look so cool here? Yeah. Damon <laughs> says, what's he talking about? I know you didn't manage to screw the whole town up all over again. while I was on my weekend trip to limbo again. Your brother was also on a weekend trip to limbo, you bitch ass. Yeah. And Stefan says, well, you weren't gone for just the weekend. You've been gone for weeks. And then we go to the town square. Julian is there with a bunch of random guys in leather jackets. It's essentially just a bunch of bikers. And then there's, you know, a trash can fire. So, you know, the city's gone to hell. Yeah. I love every time we, we go see Julian, he's got some new, like, backup crew. And, like, last time we learned the names, this time, no names. He, he's so unscary that you have to give him an entourage. And the entourage doesn't make him scarier. I do think it makes him scarier than him by himself, but it's so. Much nothing that it's just like, I really don't care. Yeah, it's only a little scarier because of numbers, but like, it's like the tomb vampires with less vendetta. Yeah. Because his only beef is that, you know, they killed their mom, which she took care of that herself because of something you did, King, but whatever. Yeah. So he's just, he's on one that makes no fucking sense. What else is new with him? Julian says oh ellis tell your friends to bring something back from their hunt we need to stalk the burr for happy hour and ellis you know stands in the road between two cars and says like okay no killing dinner on my count three two one go and he like initiates street racing but a you couldn't even compel a hot girl to do this not to be sexist and b famously stephanie and i just went to covington this road is a roundabout you can't street race here (laughs) And that's the kind of insight that you only get from investigative journalism, like we just did. (laughs) It's just typical. Like, oh, the town's bad. Look, they're bikers and they're street racing. If they're going to street race, can it at least be a sexy scene? Literally. Like, Psych had a sexier street racing scene than this. Psych! Psych! Julian says, Who's thirsty? Everyone is. Because they're all vampires, apparently. Yeah. We go over to the border. There's a do not enter sign at the border. A fat lot of good that's doing. Well, yeah, it's a do not enter sign on the border sign and nothing blocking the votes. Like, not even, like, a couple standees that people would have to move out of the way. But then Matt is there with Bonnie, and they're setting up a trap, essentially. Mm-hmm. But they're chatting, and Matt says, what's wrong, Damon text bombing you, empty apologies. And Bonnie says, no, I'm letting Stefan deal with Damon. And Matt has a thing that, like, is spiky for tires, and he throws it across the road. Mm-hmm. Good description. Yeah, you guys got it. You watch the episode. <laughs> Matt says that's smart until Damon manipulates Stefan into thinking he's changed and then he's our problem again. I mean, Matt, I hate to tell you this. He's been your problem. He is your problem. Like, And the person to blame for that, unfortunately, is Elena. Elena made these people your problem and she's not even here. So either dump them or suck it up. I know there are some days Matt wishes he moved to New Orleans with Rebecca. Yeah. And frankly, he probably should have. Honestly, he could be a New Orleans cop. He just gives out fucking minor impossessions every day. Adds a horse during Mardi Gras. Gives all the originals a pass. In another life. In another life, but no, he had to be depressing. Bonnie says, I'm trying to be positive, okay? And then she gets some kind of phone notification. And she says, oh my God, are you on matchasingle.com? And Matt says, why? That's the best fake dating website you guys come up with? Come on. (laughs) Matchasingle.com. Bonnie says, because it just matched us. Well, no, duh. The town is evacuated. (laughs) You're probably the only people on it. Well, it doesn't have anyone to match Matt with even because it's all bikers here. They're like, that can't be good. No way the vampires are on matchasingle.com. And even if they are, they're not swiping right on the cop who very clearly is a cop in his profile. The cop or the witch. Yeah. They don't want to be involved with either. Matt says, oh, you wish, Mystic Queen. She wishes. You wish. You wish, Matt. You wish. Bonnie says, we got to get you a new profile picture. Is that a gun? And he <laughs> says, yeah, it was in uniform. I'm not going to crop my gun out. You should. Yeah, you should. <laughs> Bonnie says, I'm not trying to be in your business, but maybe showing a softer side will get you more hits. Maybe moving to a non-evacuated town will get you more hits. That's my advice to both of you. Yeah. The cars approach. So Bonnie and Matt hide. And for street racers, let me tell you, they're going pretty slow. Yeah, it's like a 45-mile-an-hour street race. Like, where'd you guys even get these cars? Losers. Uh, So the cars drive over the spikes. Of course, the tires go flat, so the cars stop. Matt and Bonnie approach. She does aneurysm spells while Matt shoots them. But then one vampire Matt goes up to and, like, beats a little much. And Bonnie's like, Matt, he's dead. When he, like, kicks in the head. Like, that's not even how you kill a vampire. That's just for you. That's just overkill. Classic cop. Exactly. Matt says at least Lily kept her heretics on a leash. Did she though? Because they killed your entire graduating class. What leash? Yeah, isn't that your whole complaint is that she didn't? But whatever. He says, I guess it's safe to say I lost my soft side. And Bonnie says, okay, let's get these bodies out of here. Foreshadowing to when he does his Christian male impression at the end of the episode. (laughs) Fucking (laughs) Matt. It's just so funny to think that they were like, you know, the the writers were like, you know, the storylines with Tyler and Jeremy are getting a little repetitive. So I think they need to go. And yet everyone's like, no, this Matt one's good. Let's keep this going. Because Matt just complains about the same thing and doesn't change anything. At least this time he's like trying to change anything. Well, and I do think Matt can only do so much. I really think like he's trying his best, but there's nothing he can really do. Frankly, he needs to move. I know it's your, t- your hometown, but like you don't have any family there. Most of your family is either dead or doesn't like you. And he's right that I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but, like, Damon and Stefan's plan, they brokered with Lily. Or Stefan's plan, he brokered with Lily. I mean, it it put this town in the dump, and there's really nothing to be done about it. Yeah. I mean, maybe call FEMA, but to what end, you know? <laughs> we go over to the Lockwood house, and Damon says, you delegated Deputy Doolittle to patrol the streets with his witchy ride-along? Are you sure Bonnie put the right soul back in your body? I mean, what happened to your hero hair campaign to protect Mystic Falls? Why he's acting like this is like a weird thing that happened. Very uh, brand Who else is going to patrol? Matt patrols anyway because he's the only cop in town, and you might as well have someone who's helpful. And frankly, that's not Stefan. It clearly works the partnership. She does an aneurysm spell. He shoots them. That's a good pair. Everyone's happy. And again, Damon, your brother just got out of the hellstone. Yeah. Stefan says, well, I've been busy trying to raise you from the dead, which is Stefan not saying that he got out of the hellstone. He's trying to be a little bit more subtle because he doesn't want, they clearly don't want to talk about their time in hell. Which I get, but also it's like, well, Bonnie was busy raising him from the dead. (laughs) Actually, you were just there. Damon says, it's called multitasking. And Stefan says, you know, you have no idea what I've been through. And Damon says, okay, you have a captive audience. What did I miss? So then we do a flashback. Stefan and Caroline are sitting down to a fancy dinner. And in voiceover, Stefan tells us, you know, after Bonnie did the spell to bring me out of the stone, all I wanted to do was get back to normal with Caroline. Caroline, you know, is very impressed by the restaurant. She says, super fancy. Even my purse has a chair. (laughs) She's just like me. She's so real. And, you know, she's trying to keep the mood light because she knows this is probably a little iffy. (laughs) Yeah. Stefan says, well, we're celebrating, so I figured we'd take it up a notch. And she says, absolutely. So what wine are you feeling like? And he says, oh. Whatever you want. And she says, well, I'm going to drink water. She says, well, I'm not going to be drinking because I'm pregnant. And Stefan says, right. Sorry. And Caroline says, are you sure you're up for this? I know it's the first time you've been out since you woke up. And Stefan says, oh, you know, I'm fine. But thank you, though. Caroline says, "Okay, good, because Bonnie thinks she's close to pulling Damon out. And then Stefan's ears start ringing. So while we still hear Caroline, we can hear that he's like leaving reality behind. Yeah, he's he's losing it a little bit. Caroline says she said she felt especially strong today. And with any luck, we'll be celebrating something else soon. And then a hallucination of Damon appears. And Damon says, hello, lovers. Miss me? Stefan says, how'd you get here? And mind you, at this point, Stefan is actually talking to a waiter. And the waiter's like, hey, um, I walked over. Yeah, I walked over from the service station. Yeah, I, I saw that you guys looked about ready to order. So I came on over. I've never had someone ask me this before. Great question, though. And then Damon holds up a knife and Stefan tackles him and says, get away from her. And Caroline says, hey, Stefan, stop. What are you doing? And then Stefan realizes that he tackled a waiter and said, get away from her to the waiter. Yeah, the waiter's like, I was just trying to take an order, buddy. Like, I'm not hitting on your pregnant girlfriend. So Stefan is freaked out and says, I'm sorry, and leaves. And Caroline's like, OK, so we won't be coming back here. She's like, well, now I can never come to this restaurant. She said, can I get the surf and turf to go? (laughs) She went to all the waiters and said, you won't remember me. I don't care if you remember him, but I will be coming back, and I don't want you to know about this. Back at the Lockwood house, Damon says, so you got out of hell, you're on top of the world, and then you started hallucinating me as a waiter. I mean, I couldn't be a manager or something. And it's like, Damon, it's really not the time. Like, this is the one time I'm like, Damon, calm it down with the jokes, okay? yeah clearly he's sharing something that was very traumatic for him because usually i'm like damon be funny love it do your thing this one I'm like damon no cut it cut it <laughs> somebody get the cane yeah stefan says i think you're missing the point point. <laughs> and he is damon said i was doing that on purpose damon says i'm purposely missing the point i don't want to talk about it i'm avoiding my feelings you should try it i'm in guess what denial Damon says, I get the point, Stefan. I have no desire to kill Caroline. I mean, not since the last time I tried. Mind you, what, two hours ago? Yeah. But we can all agree that that was a huge misunderstanding. I'm not going to have a psychotic break. I promise. That's what someone who's about to have a psychotic break is going to say 100% of the time. (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) Stefan says, okay, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to unchain you. And you're not going to leave my side until I'm convinced you're okay. But you're unchained, so, you know, you can leave whenever, I guess. Here's the problem, is that pretty quickly, I mean, and we'll get to when Damon leaves his side, but Stefan, again, he's just not really up to this. And I get what Stefan's trying to do. Again, he's trying to, like, take care of Damon to prove he's not going to leave him and make his transition easier than Stefan's was, but it's just not going to work. He's bitten off more than he can chew. Yeah. And Damon says, well, I'm 100% okay. Damon says, that's great, because I'm actually doing amazing. Stefan says, that's awesome. You can prove it to me while I drive you around the new Mystic Falls. And he goes to go get the key to unlock Damon's chains. But while he leaves Damon alone, Damon hears someone call his name, and it's upstairs, and it's Henry. Mm -hmm. And Henry says peekaboo. And it's like, okay, well, that tracks, given what Stefan just told us. Yeah, and then Stefan returns and unchains Damon. But Damon keeps looking upstairs, so Stefan's like, oh, you ready? And Damon says, yeah, all good. Then we go over to Whitmore, where the baby shower is happening. Mm -hmm. She's setting up for the shower. She's putting up a banner that says, congratulations, Rick, times two. Yeah. Cute. Cute banner. Simple. Elegant. Caroline's on the phone with Stefan, and she says, are you really worried about Damon, or is this just a convenient excuse to get out of the baby food tasting game? That sounds like a fun game, so I don't know what his issue is. Stefan is on the phone while he and Damon are walking through the town square. And Stefan says, well, if that's what I think it is, then I would rather be sent back to the Hellstone. Ha ha ha. Hysterical. Uh, I love not being there for my girlfriend. Yeah. I love letting her deal with these things alone just because I don't want to taste baby food. And you know, I'm going to defend Stefan. Caroline said these are our babies. You know, I'm kind of on the Stefan defender stuff this week because he's he's going through it and no one's really helping him. And it's because he, you know, is in denial. So he doesn't know to ask for help, but you know, who would give help without him asking, Elena. Exactly. Not to sound like a Stelena bitch, because I'm not, but, like, in this point, Stefan needs Elena bad. Yeah, unfortunately, like, I'm not a Stelena shipper, particularly not this late in the show, but Elena's the only one who, like, went through the Hunter's curse hallucinations. I actually kind of feel like she's the only one who could really help here. Yeah. Except Damon, who clearly is, you know, not going to be able to help, because he's worse off than Stefan. Yeah. Caroline says, you know, to be honest, I don't blame you, but Rick needs this. You know, he doesn't have the necessary accoutrements of a single father to be. And Stefan says, don't worry, I'm still going to get him that baby Bjorn thing or whatever you made me click on when I was drunk. And she says, thank you. Hey, also be safe today because I finally got you back to reality and I want to keep you in one piece. And he says, don't worry, I'll be safe. Bye. And they hang up. He says, don't worry, I'm doing great. I'm just dealing with Damon who's in denial. But me, I'm good. Never better. Yeah. Damon says, oh boy. And Stefan says, what? And Damon cracks a whip. And Stefan says, get inside. Now, Damon, this is rich. (laughs) This is so rich coming from you, Damon. You don't get to call anybody whipped because need I remind you, you would have done anything for Catherine for one hundred and fifty years and she didn't even like your ass. Mm -hmm. So you better put that whip away. okay? at least Caroline likes Stefan he was like doing anything for a coffin holding Elena like and he would do anything for Elena and this conversation was literally Stefan being like oh I'll buy that thing off the registry yes I'll be safe good to talk to you like this is not a whipped conversation like Damon you are the most whipped person I have ever seen in my life and it's not close literally the boys walk into the grill It is covered with dead bodies and people just walking around. It is really like when the travelers took over the grill, but even a little grosser. Yeah. And that was the travelers. Because at least the travelers, like, it was just food around. At least the travelers just sat at tables and had dinner. Yeah. And you burned down the grill in reaction to that. So, I don't know. let's, Let's get our asses up and work. Honestly, let's repeat that plan. I mean, obviously you can't die, but just put a brick on a gas pedal. Yeah. It's not that hard to blow something up. I'm sure you could find a bomb. Yeah. And then blame it on the mining fire. Then we call FEMA. They'll rebuild the grill. See, this is why we evacuated, because we knew the mining fire would cause something like this again. But now, now that this has exploded, we were able to repair the pipes. Sure. How would they know? Who are they going to call? Damon says, lovely. And Stefan says, you get used to the smell. Oh, great. I can't imagine I will. Damon says, this is why they should have gotten me out first. Now, this is rude, because what honestly would you have done, Damon? Honestly, I see how you are this week. And also, we all saw last week, Damon, that wasn't up to them. Yeah. You were in there fighting every step of the way. Stefan says they tried, but apparently you weren't ready to be pulled out. So this also implies that they did try to take Damon out first. Unclear reasoning why, but maybe because they were afraid that he would kill Bonnie. Yeah, I think they were afraid he'd stay in there too long and be an issue which, you know, fair fear. And so then Stefan finally soft launches this conversation that they should have. He says, what happened to you in there? And Damon deflects. He says, you know, picture me as a soldier in gray being shot to death over and over again while the ghost of mommy dearest floated on her harpy wings saying, I told you so, Damon. It just it doesn't even sound realistic. That sounds like if someone made a guess at the most basic version of it, which Stefan was in the stone. He knows that's not the situation. Even you made better guesses. Yeah. And you've never seen the show before. (laughs) Stefan was in the stone. He has to know. Stefan says, well, you know, it sounds pretty miserable if you ask me. And Damon says, yeah, well, I think that's the point. Well, I just realized, you know, all I had to do was cry some big boy tears and tell mommy I was sorry. Yeah, you tricked the stone with your acting skills. Is that what happened? You just realized you had to cry? It's like, I watched the episode like I know Stefan doesn't buy this because he's not an idiot, but this is enough information to get like a good guess of like, okay, so you had to, you know, figure it out in the same way, which I'm not expecting to get the whole story. But, you know, he he's, I'm certain seeing the grains of truth in this and being like, okay, trying to figure it out from there. He can see like, oh, so it was something about forgiving mom and, you know, and Stefan says, well, glad you got some closure. Unfortunately, I will also say, Stefan, when you hear this, Clearly, he hasn't made peace with it. Let's get him somewhere else. But I guess he's not going to kill anyone Stefan cares about here. So why bother? Well, I think Stefan is also scared to get a little too into this conversation, because if he starts pulling this out of Damon, guess what Damon's going to do? Flip it right back on him. No, reverse. And Stefan is not ready for that. So he's trying to, like, make him say it, but he doesn't want to open up a two-way conversation whatsoever. Absolutely not. Damon says, yeah, did the trick right after that. I went to the red light in the sky. And then he sees Henry walk by uh, on top of it. Stefan looks, of course, can't see Henry. And Damon says, well, what about you? How'd you pass your existential dealio? And then luckily, Stefan doesn't have to answer that because unluckily, Julian approaches. Mm-hmm. And Julian says, well, well, look who survived. And then they reach in really fast and pull his heart out. Oh, wait. No, they don't, they don't. because they're being useless. That's just what they should have done. That was just my dream. That was my heavenstone experience. Yeah, my he- in my heavenstone, we killed Julian about eight episodes ago. Yeah, Damon says, "Look who infested my town!" Because he has nothing better to do with his eternity. All the love in the world. What do you expect him to do? You killed his girlfriend. I mean, you didn't, but you know. I mean, I get why Julian's mad at them. I'm. I'm not saying he's not dumb or stupid, but I, I get why he's mad at them. And we touch on this a little bit in a second, but it's. The same question that happens with so many of these useless villains. Like, why the fuck are you here? Like, why did you not go elsewhere? You could literally go somewhere else. Julian says, you know, your brother and I called a truce. And Stefan says, well, I wouldn't call you taking over my town without my permission, a truce exactly. Stefan's like, that's not really what happened. Julian says, well, I suppose it wasn't so much of a takeover as a walk right in and nobody stopping you. One reason, I guess, why Julian doesn't leave is like, he really didn't have to do any work here. Yeah, the town was already empty and he could just kind of take over. You kind of hang out wherever I get it, but I don't know really why he wants to move into an empty town. Well, yeah. On the other side of that coin, like then you have to travel so far to eat people. Just go to a big city where you can kind of eat indiscriminately. Yeah. And a big city will have street racing if that's a deal breaker. If that's what you want so bad. There are bike clubs in every city yeah go join a biker club oh wait you can't because you get laughed the fuck out of there i don't know how you got in this one compulsion mama compulsion and sire bonds damon says hey are we gonna take that and stefan like stops damon and says hey today is like all about proving that you can play well with others let's just kill julian i just sure play well with others you guys have done it before julian i don't think we need to prove anything to we can just kill this dude yeah it's not the end of the world Julian says, there's no need to pout. I'm not going to hurt your precious town. And what's with all the trash can fires? He says, it holds sentimental value for me as well. This was Lily's home once. Now it's mine. Lily's home when she was with her other husband, never with you. And then she had the prison world here. Again, you weren't there. It just doesn't seem like Julian has any real reason to stay here if he's not going to kill Stefan and Damon. Yeah. Like, I get it. He's putting them in the Phoenix Stone. Once they're in the Phoenix Stone, he should leave town. And go to Sunbury or wherever he went. See his friends. He knows there's like after effects of the stones, so he knows they'll be tortured. And I hate to say this, the travelers wanting to be in Mystic Falls made more sense. Literally. And that made no sense. But at least they picked a town and stuck with it. Like, he's just wandering around, even though he has other towns he's connected to. At least the travelers, like... It made sense why they were such a team. that They had to be together and they wanted to eradicate magic. It made sense why they were all teaming up. It does not make sense why any of these people with Julian are here other than that they want a street race, which there's nothing wrong with street racing. But, I mean, there is. But, (laughs) like, I don't have a personal vendetta against street racing. But why do you have to be in this town to do it? Do Do these people even know Julian? It just seems all a little bit silliness. There's no way to say this without sounding mean but there's no way Julian's the leader of this gang. Maybe he thinks he is. Alice had more charisma. The only way you get a biker gang like this to come to this town has to be an already established gang, which yeah. means they moved to town and they're integrating Julian. They don't want Julian's ass. Julian's just giving them food for free at the grill. He's paying big money to be in this gang. And let me tell you something, Julian, when you're not there, they talk about how you're not in the gang. You're just paying for stuff. Yeah, you're like their water boy. At which they'll take the free bar where they can eat whoever they want and get everything for free. Yeah, I'd take that, too. Who wouldn't? But like they don't like you. There's there's just simply no way. <laughs> Julian says, anyway, I'm making this about myself. When here you are back with the living, congrats. Although now's where the real work begins, doesn't it? Good luck to you both. And he goes, this is funny, though, because how would he know because When we saw Julian get out of the stone, like, we didn't see him struggle with any of this. And I get he wasn't really a main character at the time, but they didn't even allude to him struggling with it that then we could learn more about now. But obviously their plan was to keep him alive, so why didn't they at least allude to hallucinations? Well, why couldn't they just, like, even when he first gets out of the stone, maybe he stabs Lily. And then maybe he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. That would have been really easy. It would have been a fun, like, cliffhanger for us when we don't know if Julian's good or bad. Yeah. Like, they just keep talking about how he went through this, too. And it's like, I understand we went like, with him 24 hours a day. But, like, we saw him having fun fencing, like, the next day. Like, yeah. And not being at all freaked out by it. I would prefer it if he was like, yeah, you know, I was in there so long. I don't know if there was some explanation of why Stefan and Damon get these hallucinations after the fact. Like, maybe they weren't in there long enough to fully process it. Maybe he had gone through more tests and was stronger as a result. Like if he had said, like, you know, the plus of being in that stone for more than 100 years is you start to predict the tests and you know what they want you to do and you can, you know, rise above it. They couldn't trick me anymore because I had I had learned how to beat them. Like I know all their tricks and I became really comfortable with the choices I made because I knew they were just trying to turn me into a monster. And then that's at least a reason to keep Julian alive. Like, I know the Phoenix Stone tricks. Like, I can help you work through this. Like, maybe then it's a tenuous alliance when he inevitably gets killed before he can help them all the way out of it. It's just... The, yeah, then it could be a tenuous alliance that it's like, oh, you know, I can help you deal with the Aphrodite, the Phoenix Stone. And as a result, mourn your mother. Uh, and then what I get in return is a team effort to stop this Huntress who we now believe to be coming. But no, we're not going to do any of that. But no, we're just going to decide Julian's a villain and give him not a single redeeming quality. Nor an interesting character trait. Yeah, because literally what do we know about Julian except vampire and dated Lily? Nothing. British. Likes fencing. Has friends. Killed a baby. (laughs) Like, that's it. He doesn't have anything interesting. At least Murko's. he had the whole, like, living in malls thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, at least I feel like he had some fun stories to tell about that. At least Mercos was trying to make it work, you know? He was building a life somewhere because they had to settle somewhere. Not me finding fondness for Mercos. Yeah, not me being like, damn, where's Mercos? I hated that man so much. Literally, you watch the Travelers storyline and it's bad. And you're like, okay, maybe this show is turning. And then season six bounces back so well. Yeah. That you're like, oh, thank God. And then we get to season seven. It's like, damn, I wish we still had the Travelers. Fuck. Julian leaves, and Henry reappears and says, can I get you another soldier? Another drink. Yeah. And Stefan says, hey, Damon, what are you looking at? Because Damon has turned around behind him to look at his hallucination. Damon is not hiding the hallucinations well, which I get. But still. And Damon says, ah, one too many pieces of vampire trash. And he walks away, and he gets a pretty far distance from Stefan. Whatever happened to not letting him leave your side? Yeah, Stefan just stands there, and it's like, Stefan... And Julian goes up to Stefan and it's like, didn't you just walk away? <laughs> <laughs> and Julian says, Stefan, are you certain you're suited to be his wingman? I expect you're still adjusting yourself. And Stefan says, uh, I'm handling it. Thanks, though. <laughs> and Julian says, yes. When I first got out, I thought I was handling it too. And he goes, but again, we never saw him not handling. Like We never saw him like lose it. Like, yeah, he stabbed people with his sword, but he, like, said he wanted to do that. That wasn't, like, a shock. The people he stabbed were his on-paper enemies, and he was, like, sometimes a little bit mean to Lily, but that meanness was also because he was manipulating her. Like, that was explained as not a side effect of the stone. Again, like, the stone did not make him evil. He killed a baby before he was even in that stone. So the stone really had no effect on him. All the interpersonal stuff with Lily, that was not stone related. He was abusive before he went in the stone. And then his hell was killing Lily, even though he was abusive. And then he had to bounce back from the stone, but he didn't because he was fine. So it's like, why are we rewriting Julian's storyline? Like, stop spending time on him. You lost it. You did a bad one. Like, just let's throw him in the trash. And we were you writing it like two episodes later. It's not like there was a season between this where we're now re-justifying. We could have done all this. Yeah, we could have fit this in. You had room because you were fitting in random exposition so that Caroline and Bonnie had lines. You couldn't actually do anything interesting. Yeah. We go over to Whitmore. Bonnie is filming because they're playing a game where Alaric, Matt, and Tyler are blindfolded and they're changing a diaper. Cute baby shower activity. Yeah, they're blindfolded with, like, little baby bath time towels that look like animals and have hoods. Very cute. And Caroline says, this is a nightmare. Look at him. And Bonnie says, you kidding me? This is the best blackmail material ever. And Caroline says, you know, in T-minus a few short weeks, these babies are popping out of me and being handed over to him, their only parent, a man who's hardly inspiring any confidence. And then someone calls time, and Rick says yes, because he's done a successful diaper change. Yeah. So it's like, okay, Caroline, you don't have to worry. He got it. Well, and of course, he's practicing diaper changing. What else does he have to do? Hang out with his fiance? She's dead. She's dead. We're good. Tyler holds up a baby doll that has a diaper on, but the head is gone. Mm -hmm. And Matt holds up a baby doll that has a diaper covering its head. Classic comedy. Men can't raise babies. Rick points at the headless doll and says, that's terrifying. You are never babysitting. Uh, Neither of you actually ever. At least Tyler put the diaper on. Yeah. That's what I'll say. Matt holds up the baby and says, I made a helmet. Are you stupid? Legitimately, like, that is a level of stupidity that I can't fathom. Caroline approaches Rick and she says, hey, how'd you do that? And he says, well, it's a diaper, not a bomb. He said it's really not that difficult. He says, though, I could dismantle a bomb, blindfolded if I needed to. Let's not try it, though. (laughs) Caroline says there's nothing funnier than newborns in C4, ha ha ha. And Rick says, oh, so I shouldn't store my explosives in the nursery? I think I read that in one of the 20 parenting magazines you left in my office. Can we be a little less jokey with each other? It's actually serious. No, it's actually not funny. Ha ha ha, baby's blowing up. Ha ha ha, underage girlfriend. Shut up. Shut up. Let's stop this. I need a wall between you. This isn't fucking funny. Nothing is cute and fun about this, okay? Caroline says, okay, I get it. I'm the overprotective, no fun surrogate. And Rick says, no, you are an incredibly generous friend who I will forever be indebted to. And she says, you know, it's not about debt. As long as you understand, once these babies are born, I will not be on call 24-7 to burp and bathe and feed and diaper. And he says, I get it, Caroline. I don't expect that to be your problem. And Caroline says, you know, it's not a problem. It's just that there's and she says, oh, baby A just kicked. And he says, really? And then he feels her stomach and says, oh, damn, my daughter's a ninja. Shut up. I hate Whenever someone uses the word ninja on TV to be funny, it's like one of those things that every time I hear it, I'm like... Mm. Yeah, it gives me the ick. I think maybe that's a side effect of growing up in a certain time of the internet. Yeah. I just feel like for a while, like, the type of memes when, when we were like, middle school, were like... Ninjas, cats, mustaches. Yeah, it's just, it's not... It's I can't laugh anymore. At this point now, those memes have become, like, millennial core. And some millennials still think they're funny, not me. Not me. Caroline says, oh, there goes baby B. He says, you can tell them apart. And she says, of course. And let's again, stop looking at each other. There doesn't need to be a knowing look of excitement about the baby. Feel the baby kick, but don't hold your hand on that too long. Mm -hmm. Keep your hands to yourself. Get a job. Stay away from her. We go over to check in on Tyler and Matt. Tyler takes a shot and says, "Ooh, I almost have my manhood back. You know, participating in a little game does not take away your manhood. You didn't have to come to this baby shower. Mr. I live in New Mexico now. Your manhood was in the toilet ever since the whole Klaus stuff. So you weren't getting that back, kink. Yeah, it's over. Matt says, yeah, almost being the operative word. Ha ha ha. And Tyler says, you just suffocated a doll with a diaper, Donovan. Drink up. Matt says, well, I can't. I am on duty. And Tyler says, I don't know why you even bother. The bad guys aren't going anywhere, man. I mean, if anything, they're multiplying. And Matt says, so that's it. You're just going to give up? We grew up here, Ty. That is our town. And yeah, Tyler's going to give up. He's already gone. One thing about Tyler, he's given up. Like, he's not exactly a fighter. He's not known for his tenacity. All love. And even when he's been a fighter, he's lost pretty much every time. So you don't really want him on your team. If you keep losing, would you keep fighting? No. And what I respect about Tyler is he took that lesson and said, you know what? We're done. Matt, he keeps losing and he keeps fighting. And maybe that's, you know, inspiring. Not so much to me. Well, Tyler, I think is better at being like, I need to pick my battles more wisely. I think he learned that post-Klaus for sure. Yeah, post-Klaus, he's like, I'm not going to kill Klaus. That's just simply not something that's going to happen. And I'm just looking dumber every day that I say I'm going to. And I can't stop Klaus from having sex with my girlfriend. Yeah. He's too hot and sexy. And he's British. What can I do? But what I can do is join Jeremy and kill a vampire here and there. Like, yeah, I can kill some of the low hanging fruit. I don't have to kill the top villain at any given time. I can just kill the ones who are being a nuisance wherever I am. Yeah. Tyler says, yeah, it was my town. Now it's a cesspool that's not worth getting killed over. Getting out was the best thing that ever happened to me. Also, like, why would Tyler want to come back to this place where both his mother and father We're mayors of the town, and then we're killed. Like, kind of seems like it's time to cut it and run. Then Nora enters, and Tyler says, oh, who's that? And Matt says, someone who wasn't invited. But of course, Bonnie goes up and says, oh, hey, I wasn't sure you'd make it. So she was invited, actually. And Nora says, anything to postpone studying for midterms she has a gift. And Bonnie says, oh, did you buy off the registry? And Nora says, you mean that list of demands? No, I refuse to purchase anything called a milk warmer. So instead, I bought these tiny little socks that for some reason look like laced up sneakers. Cute gift. Bonnie says, socks count as practical. Good. That's how we'll sell it to Caroline. Come on, I'll get you a drink. Although fair warning, they are in baby bottles. And Nora says, ah, infants drinking. What a lovely image. Can't say I'm surprised. In the corner, Matt glares at Nora. Mm-hmm. We go over to the alley behind the grill and we can see in the foreground that Ellis is drinking as Damon comes outside. Great shot from Paul Wesley. You're foreshadowing that that's who he's going to kill. We got it. Yeah. Henry appears and says, hey, are you just going to surrender your town to the enemy? And then Damon says, I get it. You're a hell world hangover. I already passed the test, Henry. I already admitted my fault. You can leave me alone. And Henry says, you passed the test, yes, but... You haven't completed your liberation. And Damon says, oh, yeah, liberate this. And then he pulls out Henry's heart. But he has a real heart in his hand. He says, wow, this is a really realistic head trip. And he looks down and uh, Ellis is on the ground with his heart pulled out. It wasn't Henry. If only that had been Julian. If only. So Stefan catches him. And Damon says, we should probably skip the check. We go over to Whitmore. Bonnie is carrying more alcohol and ice to the party. And Matt approaches and says, hey you want to tell me what the heretic is doing here? And Bonnie says, "Mm, I invited her. Bonnie says, I clearly went up to her. It wasn't a shock. She showed up to me. Yeah. Matt says, oh, so we spend all morning killing Julian's vampires. Then you invite them to Caroline's shower. And Bonnie says, first of all, she's not Julian's. Second of all, she helped us get Stefan out of that stone. It's interesting that Nora did that and not Valerie, but okay. For Valerie to help do that, she would have to get off her ass. Yeah, literally. And that's not what she does. (laughs) Matt says, yeah, Nora helped us after she put him in after she killed my graduating class, kidnapped Caroline and then murdered every human at her anniversary party. Okay, I will say, yes, she put him in the Phoenix Stone. Yes, she killed your graduating class. Enzo is really the one who kidnapped Caroline. Let's be honest. And she didn't kill every human at her anniversary party. In fact, most humans got out of there unscathed. Well, yeah, and the kidnapping Caroline, like, let's not act like that was like. Some huge betrayal. All love to Caroline. That was pretty low stakes. And a fair retaliation for what was going on, which is Damon's fault. Yeah. For killing Malcolm. And Matt's already blaming Damon for shit, sure, but you know. And again, very few people died at that anniversary party. And even fewer were Nora's fault. Yeah. Bonnie says, Look, I saw her studying by herself every day. And to be honest, I felt bad. So I invited her. It's better to have a powerful heretic as a friend than an enemy. And that is true. Bonnie's like, and also, she's sexy and there's kind of something going on between us and Enzo's not around because no one seems to give a shit that he got kidnapped he's been gone for weeks and no one's asking where he went (laughs) but whatever some family I mean I love to see Bonnie try to bring Nora into the fold because of course she's the best heretic if we're gonna bring anyone into the fold I'm glad it's Nora yeah I'll say that Nora approaches and says and I'm quite good at gifts don't forget that perhaps it's time for me to leave And Matt says, perhaps you should. And Bonnie says, no, I invited you. You should stay. Because I'm sure there's a part of Bonnie that feels bad for saying, like, I felt bad she eats lunch alone. (laughs) But But Nora can't be, like, shocked to hear that, all the love in the world. Nora says, you know, I would stay, but I'm afraid your friend here may say something inappropriate to me and then find himself never able to speak again. And Matt says, did you just threaten me? And Nora says, I didn't, actually. That would have looked like this. And then she does a spell to choke him. And she says, take another step toward me and I'll pluck your vocal cords from your throat and use them to play a rather sporting game of pin the tail on the deputy. And it's like, Nora, look, you didn't do everything he just said, but this isn't helping matters. Literally. (laughs) Uh, Bonnie says, hey, stop, please. Because, you know, Matt is choking. And so Nora does stop. and She says, the party was lovely. Thank you. And she leaves. And Matt, of course, is pissed. Yeah. We go back behind the grill. Stefan and Damon are walking to the car and Stefan says, hey, when were you going to tell me you lost your grip on reality? See, and I think at this very point, Stefan has lost his grip on reality. I think at this point, Damon's gone. I think there's some wiggle room for when it happened, that Damon disappears. I think this is a good time. There's another time later that I think it could have happened. But I think this is a good time to point this out. I think it's possible. To be fair, I I picked kind of a random time because I only watched the episode once and I had to reverse engineer it after the reveal at the end because I didn't see this coming. But this, yeah. I think, makes the most sense that either he didn't actually see Damon physically rip the heart out or he saw him and Damon ran away. Like he came down and saw the guy dead and his brain built Damon or they saw that and Damon was like, well, I'm going to go. Yes, which I think is fair. And I will say having watched the episode like a few times to be able to look for it. There's not a clear-cut spot. Yeah. So I think this is as good a time as any. And I think all we can do is track it based on how Damon behaves because hallucination Damon is a little meaner. Yeah. But even so, this could still be hallucination Damon just trying to sell it better. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so Stefan says, when were you going to tell me you lost your grip on reality? And Damon says, I just did. I like to use visual aids. Stefan says, you need to tell me what you're going through because it only gets worse from here. Damon says, worse than you envisioning me as a waiter? Who was I next? A busboy, a valet. And Stefan says, you were everywhere. There's a flashback where this time we see Damon drowning and Stefan wakes up. Mm -hmm. And in voiceover, Stefan says, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. Couldn't get you out of my head. The only constant I had was Caroline. Caroline comes in and she says, another nightmare. And Stefan says, yeah, the same one. I was in the quarry. I was drowning and Damon was there. And Caroline says, "Okay, Damon was there. Then what? And Stefan says, doesn't matter. It's over. And Caroline says, well, clearly it's not. Whatever you experience in that rock is still torturing you somehow. And then Hallucination Damon appears in this flashback and says, you're lucky you have her to hold on to, bro. And Stefan says, you're not here. And Caroline says, "Uh, who are you talking to? Because I'm here. Yeah, because Caroline's like, that clearly wasn't meant for me because you're not making eye contact with me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Stefan says, get out of here, Caroline. And Hallucination Damon says, yeah, get out of here, Caroline, before I rip those babies right out of you. And Stefan says, enough. And then he throws a glass at the wall. And Caroline says, hey, stop. Not real. Not real. Uh, I'm going to stop you right there. That was definitely a hallucination that you reacted to. Yeah. And Stefan goes. And in voiceover, Stefan says, then I pushed her away, too. I lost sight of everything. I barely even noticed when Julian took over our town. Stefan walks through the square. And then he sees, again, all the people running around. He's like, whoa, hold on. He's like, hey, when did this happen? (laughs) And then Stefan says, all I could see was you. And Damon appears in the flashback and says, where's mom when you need her? Because fat chance you're winning this showdown. And Stefan says, why are you still here? And Damon says, I'm a piece of the stone puzzle. You figure it out, I'll leave you alone. Until then, Stefan in voiceover says, I couldn't get rid of you. I couldn't stop hearing you. I couldn't stop seeing you. So this is the thing we see with both Hallucination Damon and Hallucination Henry is that they're a piece of the puzzle. And if they figured out the hallucinations over, mm-hmm. the thing they want them to figure out It becomes clear later. We'll talk about it then. We go back out to the car. Stefan says, nothing else mattered. Not our town, not Julian, not even Caroline. All I cared about was making you go away. Damon says, so? Pins and needles over here, brother, what did you do? Stefan says, well, I got a can of gasoline. That's like, oh, good. And I do think it makes the most sense based on Damon's later actions that Damon has to be gone by the time this reveal happens or else he'd be too aware of it. Or else he'd just be stupid. Yeah, or else he'd be like, wait. Can of gasoline? This should not be the solution. Now that I'm filling this gas can, I'm reminded of when my brother said not to do this. So I I think at this point, he's got to be gone. We go to a flashback at the Lockwood house. Stefan is pouring gasoline all over Damon's body. And it's like, oh, what? And Stefan narrates, you know, I was convinced the only solution was to burn your actual body. I had to stop you from haunting me. I had to get rid of any reminder of what I went through in that hellstone. And Stefan, like, has a Zippo lighter he's about to use. Caroline comes in and says, hey, what are you doing? Because Caroline's like, mm, I smell the gas, and that's your brother's body, so I'm going to have to stop you right here. Yeah. Stefan says, I don't want him to come back ever. I have to get rid of him. And Caroline says, this isn't who you are, Stefan. You love your brother, and I know you'd rather die than let him go. And then in Stefan's voiceover, he says, Caroline found me just in time. Without her, I wouldn't have been able to stop myself. I would have set your body on fire to end my own suffering. And then in the car, Damon says, well, that explains why I smelled like gas when I woke up. (laughs) And then Julian hits the car with a bat and then he hits them. And it's like, oh, good. You're back. Stefan comes to and looks at Damon and says, you okay? And I think this is the other time you could make an argument for when Damon has now disappeared. But I think because Julian references Stefan always being alone, Mm -hmm. it makes no sense that Damon's already gone. However, I do think Julian has good reason to lie. Yeah. Because then he'll make Stefan feel crazier. Yeah, I do think Julian has a reason to lie, but I also think why would Damon leave Stefan there after he got hit, you know? True. That would be awful selfish of him at this stage. He's been known to be selfish. Not usually that selfish. I think he'd sooner just kill Julian. Dare to dream. Stefan comes to in the car and he looks at Damon and he says, hey, you okay? And Damon says, I'm not the one you should be worried about. You should have left me at the grill, Stefan. Let me deal with the consequences of my own actions. But no, St. Stefan to the rescue. Always there to clean up his big brother's messes. And Stefan says, what are you talking about? And Damon says, quit trying to save me, bro. Which is hallucination Damon talking. Yeah. Really laying it on thick there. Yeah, they're, they're like, come on, get the message. Then Julian pulls Stefan out of the car and says, hey, this is for what your brother did to Ellis. And Stefan says, who the fuck is Ellis? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't say that. He says he didn't know what he was doing. Really, what you should say is, we didn't do anything. Who gives a fuck? Like, do you want me to care about that? Seriously? Julian says, really, he was just fishing around for his liver and came across his heart. And Stefan says, I promise I'll get him under control. And Julian says, well, I strongly recommend you find him first. And Stefan says, what? And he looks in the car and Damon's not there. And Stefan says, he was just here. And Julian says, no, I assure you, he was not. You were alone when I arrived. You were talking to yourself. Perhaps the stone isn't finished with you after all. In the meantime, if either you or your brother harm one of my men again, I will gut the one of you and feed the other the entrails. Ew. Okay, like, disgusting. Can you imagine if Stefan was just like, ew? We go over to Whitmore. Tyler is walking. He's on his phone, and he runs into Damon. And so Damon obviously summoned him. He says, thanks for escaping babyland. And Tyler says, yeah, anything to avoid a guessing game about how big Caroline's belly is. What do you want? Now you're going to regret doing this to miss that game. Yeah, you're going to wish you played the how fat is Caroline game. (laughs) Yeah. Damon says, well, I need to see Elena. And Tyler says, well, that is not an option. Tyler says the whole thing is that you're not supposed to do that. Damon says, whoa, I just want to see her face for a minute. A reminder that everything's going to be okay. Look at a picture then. Yeah. Tyler says, when you gave me her coffin, you made me swear not to let anybody see her, especially you. Damon says, well, I was feeling a little sentimental. And Tyler says, that's exactly what you told me you'd say. And Damon's like, damn it. (laughs) Damon's like, damn, I prepped you for this, huh? I know myself better than I thought. (laughs) Tyler says, you know, you figured at some point you'd get impatient or lose your nerve or have a really bad day. You said under no circumstances am I allowed to give her to you. And Damon says, well, I changed my mind. And Tyler says, look, I know what happened the other night. I know you're sick. Where is Stefan anyway? And Damon then decides to get more aggressive. Yeah, that pisses Damon right off. So he pushes Tyler into like a pole and says, hey, we can walk upstairs right now and turn that baby shower into a bloodbath, or you can take me to see my girl. Damon now sees that there are other people on the quad looking at this interaction. We never see people react to things like this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So he lets Tyler go and says, no must, no fuss, just a little visit. OK. Mm-hmm. And then we go on to some other road. Matt is driving back to Mystic Falls, but he did. Oh, he started drinking after he got, you know, attacked by Nora. That's important to say. So Matt gets a text and he looks at his phone and he pulls the old Tyler Lockwood, which is almost hitting someone because you can't resist texting and driving. He almost pulls the old Tyler Lockwood because Tyler Lockwood would hit someone. Yeah, Tyler Lockwood hit actually a few people. Yeah. So he doesn't get into a car He's like, phew, what a relief. But then a siren goes off and he starts to get pulled over by a cop. He's not happy. He looks so pissed for someone who is a cop. Like, I feel like as a cop, you can't be like, oh, man. Especially when you did just obviously swerve and almost hit someone. Like, I'm sorry. It looks like drunk driving. But also you're a cop. Like, just I'm not against your whole teller you're a cop thing. But you got to be a little bit more tactful about it. Yeah. He pulls over, and a lady cop comes to the window. Her name is Penny. We will find out eventually. She says, Grove Hill PD, license and registration, please. And he's like, Grove Hill? Matt says, officer, look, I'm a cop too. So if you just let me show you my badge, and he shows it, as if she's just going to let him drive away. And she says, okay, Mr. Donovan, the good news is you actually have a valid license, which means at some point you did learn how to drive. The bad news is that can only mean you're swerving between lanes because you're drunk. Can't blame her for coming to this conclusion. Because also he could say, no, I got distracted. Yeah, it's not better, but he could just say like, yeah, I'm sorry. I checked my phone for a message. I'm waiting on a call from someone like I'm waiting on the call from my surgeon. Bring the cop thing back into it. But you know what he says instead? I'm not drunk. I had a couple drinks at a party. <laughs> Matt, you stop it. I'm not drunk. Like that's exactly what drunk people say. Yeah. I'm not drunk. I just had a couple drinks. No, she doesn't need to know you had a couple drinks. She says, okay, step out of the car. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, are you kidding me? And she opens the door for him, so she's not kidding him. He said, man, cops are horrible. We go to an area with storage containers. We can tell by the subtitle that they are in Greensboro, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And Tyler is walking Damon to a container. And Damon says, nice security, he said with contempt. And Tyler opens the door of a storage container, and there is a coffin there. And Tyler says, you told me to keep her safe. I did. You don't need to secure someone if no one knows where they are. I mean, I would still put a lock on it, but (laughs) whatever. She's there, so it's fine. Damon wheels the coffin out, and Tyler starts to back away to go grab something, a gun. And Damon opens the coffin. And at first, it's like, did they really pay Nina Dobrev to be here for this? Nope. Henry's in the coffin. (laughs) I'm like, there's no way we're seeing Nina Dobrev. So are we just going to get like a knowing look from Damon's face? And of course, Henry's there. And it's like, well, I don't know what I thought was going to happen. Damon says no. And then Tyler shoots at Damon. Uh, But unfortunately, Tyler doesn't get a good real real shot at Damon. So Damon fights Tyler and like hits his head against the cement a couple times. You hear cracking. It's bloody. Is Tyler okay? Because we do not see him get up. Tyler's fine. What makes you say that? Because he's Tyler. He's fine. He hit his head. He'll, he'll wake up. Also, there's an open fire in this fucking storage yard. So someone's going to come over to it. Now, hopefully you can get around it. Because if I'm like the security guard at the port and I come there and there's a person in a coffin on fire, I'm going to be calling some people. Yeah, absolutely. But Tyler's fine. I'm not worried about him. So we go over to Whitmore. Stefan comes into the baby shower and calls for Caroline and Caroline, you know, leaves the party to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And he says, why didn't you answer your phone? And she says, I was using it for the playlist. Are you all right? She says, I'm in the middle of a baby shower. Like I was busy. Stefan says, oh, has Damon been here? And Caroline says, no, why would he? And Stefan says, I don't know where he is. I thought he was with me and then he wasn't. Caroline says, okay, Stefan, calm down. Just focus. What's going on? And Stefan says, it's happening again. I was talking to Damon. I I thought he was there, but now I don't know when he left. And Caroline says, it's okay. You're okay. And Stefan says, no, I'm not. And neither is he. And then we go to check on just how un-okay Damon is in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Damon looks at the coffin and Henry is now like sitting up. And Damon says, hey, can't you find someone else to haunt? He really can't actually. No, this is my entire thing. I'm actually very useful for you specifically. You're kind of my one guy. <laughs> Henry says, you know, I can't until you find liberation. You're still denying your nature. You haven't let go of what's holding you back. And Damon says, what does that hellstone have to do with my true nature? And Henry says, OK, um, well, actually, it's called a phoenix stone. It doesn't trap you. It frees you to be reborn as your true self. Yeah, that sounds like the stone talking. <laughs> yeah, of course, the stone's trying to make it sound like that. Yeah. And Damon says, want to see my true self? We go back to Whitmore. Stefan says, I need to go find Damon. And Caroline says, no, you don't. You know what? You're going to take care of you first. And thank you, Caroline. Obviously, she needs to take care of him first. Yeah, she's like, no, you're clearly not ready to deal with Damon considering you hallucinate him. Like, this is not healthy for you. And it's not Damon's fault that he's Stefan's hallucinations, but unfortunately, it makes Stefan ill-equipped to help. Mm -hmm. Stefan says, how are you going to take care of me? My soul was literally trapped in a rock which I would say, well, how are you going to take care of Damon? Like, none of us can take care of anything. Yeah. Caroline says, yeah, until you pass some kind of test. You never told me how you earned your freedom. And Stefan says, Bonnie pulled me out with a spell. You know that. And he- she says, no, something else happened. She says, you know that's not what I mean. She says, something else happened in that hell world, something you won't admit. You can't keep hiding like this, Stefan. Just please let me help you. And Stefan says, well, there's nothing we can do about it now, okay? And Caroline says... You have to tell me that's the only way we're going to get through it. You can't go on like this. Yeah, you can't bottle this up. Clearly, it's not working. And so Stefan tells her what happened. He says, I was living in a repeating loop of misery. We see the quarry. He says, every loop ended with Damon dragging me into the quarry. The water was black and freezing. We were drowning together. Every time I tried to swim to the surface, he dragged me back down. Every time I tried to save him, I died too. We can see them in the water. Mm-hmm. And Stefan says, I finally realized there was only one way to escape. If I wanted to survive, I had to go on without him. He lets Damon go. He says, so I let him go. And he swims to the surface. Stefan says, I abandoned him. I let my brother down so I could save myself. And let me just say, what we know of the Phoenix Stone, when you compare this to Julian to Damon, they were beating Damon's ass. The other ones were so simple. (laughs) and all the love in the world like this one's easy this one like all the love in the world i know that it's very serious like that you felt like you needed to leave your brother behind but once you realize you're in and i think damon has a little bit of an advantage where he could talk to a lot of people but i think once you realize where you are and you're in the stone and what you have to do you're just swimming on a loop i mean and i'm not saying it's fun to abandon your brother but it's not real but that's a pretty clear lesson It's a little on the nose. I honestly think the Phoenix Stone could have found something much meaner. Yeah, like because for Stefan, in that case, like in this thought process when you're in the Phoenix Stone trying to outthink it, there are literally three options for Stefan. He dies with Damon, he brings Damon up, or he swims without Damon. Like those are the three options. There's only so many permutations you can take on that. Damon, it was like millions of possible outcomes in like (laughs) different realms, in different things. And then the lesson he had to learn wasn't even directly related to that. It was like that he needed his mother. Like, so he had to go through a lot more hoops to figure out. Like, Stefan's, it's a pretty easy, like, take care of yourself first, King. Yeah. No wonder he got out of the stone first. Yes, it just feels like the stone had some kind of vendetta against Damon. And you know what? I'll say this. Good for Stefan. Stefan's been through so much shit. It was his turn to get an easier path, okay? He needs an easier hell. I'm not mad about it, but it is just a little funny. And then Caroline says, so that's why you're hallucinating him? Because some faux version of your brother is upset with something you did in a fake reality? Don't make it sound dumb. But she says it in a very sincere, comforting way. But there, she's like, just let me get that straight. Like, it's basically like you got in a fight in a dream. And I'm not discounting that. And Stefan says, the Hellstone is trying to tell me something to prove a point. I will never be happy until Damon is out of my life for good. And like, yes, I do think that's what the Phoenix Stone is trying to tell you. But why are you like that stone has good advice for me? It really is a consider the source situation. Yes. Like the stone that was your own personal hell. Do you really want to take her advice? I don't know. And I do think like there's something to be thought of here, which is to say, like, sometimes you do need to prioritize yourself over your brother. But I think there's a lesson to be learned from this of when is protecting your brother hurting you and when does it hurt you to be selfish? And there's, you know, I think this fear of Stefan is if he leaves Damon alone, then like he'll be happy, but everyone else won't be happy. Or like he'll miss his brother. Like this is a, a thought he's had that the stone is just simplifying that, you know, I think there's a lot more nuance too. And he is having a hard time navigating it because the stone is trying to be like, He's bad. Be selfish without any nuance. It seems that the stone wants isolation from people. Yes. And we'll get to that in this next scene. Caroline says, do you really believe that? So we go over to North Carolina. Damon returns to the coffin and this time he has a can of gasoline. And it's like, OK, well. And it's like, who put a gas can in the car? And at first I was like, why is he doing this? He just heard from Stefan. And I was like, mm, no, maybe he didn't. That was probably hallucination, Damon, who heard that. That probably fell on uh, deaf ears, being that the ears were not there. (laughs) Henry says, took my words to heart, did you? Damon punches Henry and says, shut up. (laughs) I'm not doing this with you anymore. Damon pours gasoline all over Henry and says, I told you to leave me alone. Now I'm going to end this. He drops a lighter onto Henry and steps back away from the coffin. (laughs) He's like, few problem solved. And then who appears behind Damon but Henry? Yeah, and it's like, wait, I just burned you. No. (laughs) Henry says, you're right. You're not doing it with me anymore. And Damon says, Henry. Henry says, I promised you liberation. And then Damon's like, oh, my God. I just remembered why I came to see this coffin. It's because Elena's in it. Yeah. (laughs) He says, (laughs) Elena. And Henry says, this was necessary, Damon. She held you back from being the monster you really are. So this is clearly what the stones' goal is: is to make these people accept their monsters, turn them into monsters. So let go of anything that stops them from being a monster. Yeah, turn off any humanity. And so for Stefan, that's Damon. For Damon, that's Elena. So Damon says, "No, Elena. Oh my God, no!" And we look in the coffin, and we can see her face burning. Yeah, like we—it's clearly Nina Dobrev. It's clearly they like edited a the shot they had of her. to yeah. make her look burning, but it's well edited. Is well edited. I was like, damn, this really looks like you hired her for this episode, even though I know in my head it's the shot of her in the coffin after she went to sleep and they just put fire on it. But they did a good job. So I have to ask, what the hell? So here's my thing. She's magically under a spell. I have to assume that protects her from fire in some way. Okay, well, we see her face turn quite red. Yeah, but like once the fire is out, that'll be fine. But wouldn't Damon be able to put it out and then know that? So then he wouldn't go home depressed? Well, you would think, but he seems to not make any moves to put it out. So I assume that either someone saw the fire at the shipyard and put it out, or Tyler woke up and was like, oh, what the hell? Put the fire out. And then probably was like, I better just hide Elena and not tell Damon about this, because at least maybe Damon won't chase her down if he thinks he killed her already. Sure. I mean, I assume everything's fine, so. You assume Elena's fine. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. That's a good attitude to have. She's not on the show. Why would why would we spend all this time like figuring out if she's okay for her to not be on the show anyway? Like, what would be the point? So what I'm saying is she's already not on the show. Maybe they're just killing her. So she's gone. So Nindo Brev never comes back. That's not going to happen. Why do you say that? Because I feel like they want a happy ending for Delena in some way. I do think, you know, we're getting closer and closer to, I assume, the time jump. Or, you know, when we switch to the time jump, so I as I assume that this guilt and what he's feeling, and when he finds out she's okay, he'll be like desiccate me next to her. I'm out. I've done enough. I'm out. See ya. I clearly can't be trusted with this life, and so I think this is what will lead to the the desiccation. Because I mean, we know he was desiccated next to or next to a coffin. I guess we don't know for sure it was Elena's coffin, but come on, could be anybody. Yeah. So why would he desiccate next to a coffin full of ashes? Maybe because he's in denial still. He's mourning. But it would just save space to put her in a <laughs> They have a little storage container. Space isn't a concern. No, but she's fine. I'm not worried about it. You're not going to lose any sleep over this? <laughs> no. Kai's spell <laughs> kept her magically preserved in her perfect human form. So I have no reason to believe fire would be an issue. Well, I think Kai assumed that they weren't going to burn her. <laughs> I-, I wonder if that's a failsafe he put in. I just think she can't burn, okay? like i I don't really know why I don't have a good reason, but I, I she's not she's not burnt up. You're just not taking this seriously. like I'm just not I'm not believing this. <laughs> You're not worried. I can only put up with so much like i'm I'm just unbothered. <laughs> this is just not my business. The video of the the confidence activist who went to the Shein factories who's like, <laughs> I'm just focusing on myself right now. That's me watching this. I feel like I owe that to myself. You know, I that video? That to yeah. <laughs> it really, it does nothing to me. I'm not worried. Like, I'm not worried about Tyler, not worried about Elena. They're both fine. Next. I got other things to worry about. Like, when are Nora and Bonnie going to kiss? I can't worry about that. Like, Enzo's locked up again. I can't <laughs> be worrying about whether Elena burned down. She didn't. <laughs> She's fine. We go back over to Whitmore. Bonnie approaches Nora. And says, hey, you know, in case it wasn't obvious, today was actually supposed to be a fresh start. And Nora says, spare me the lecture. And Bonnie says, what the hell is your problem? I'm trying to be nice to you. And Nora says, you know, after I left your wretched party, I found this in my mail. It's a postcard that has a red X on it. And Nora says, is this your idea of a joke? And Bonnie says, postcard, you have a pen pal. And Nora says, if you sent this, you best admit it now before I squeeze the truth from your trachea. And Bonnie says, okay, why would I send this to you? And even if I did, what is so scary about the alphabet? Now, Bonnie, I mean, I think you know that the X is pretty significant. Not to be whatever. Like, the alphabet itself isn't scary. If I had to pick a scary letter, it would be X. Yeah, particularly when it's in red. Nora says, it's a warning from the Huntress. It's like, woo-hoo-hoo. And Bonnie says, you're saying that like I should know who it is. And Nora says, you certainly should know her weapon. And Bonnie says, oh, a sword. Bonnie's like, oh, a word, okay. She says, I'm on board now. I got it. Nora says, yes, custom made for her. She used it to put Julian in the stone along with thousands of other vampires. She's ruthless. Once you've been marked by her sword, she never stops hunting. you. That's how Bo got his scar. She'll come for him now. She'll come for all of us. And Bonnie says, "Okay, well, how do we stop her? And Nora says there's no stopping her ever. Nora says, also, there's no we involved and she's not after you. So it's not really your concern. And Bonnie says, if my friend's lives are in danger, I'm not going to stand by and do nothing. Nora says, then what do you propose we do? And not to be this person, but Nora, if you didn't want the Huntress to come after you guys, why'd you stab someone and give an additional person this scar? Yeah, why bring this knife out? Why not be like, hey, put that away? They do seem to be under the impression that the Huntress is sort of a person who can come back at any time. Because if the huntress were human, they would be like, oh, we were in the prison world for 100 years. She's probably taken care of at least. Well, also, like, what was she up to that she didn't take the stone out of the museum? Maybe she didn't know it was in the museum, but it's a question. Yeah, how'd the sword get taken from her and the stone end up in the museum, get on the boat? Like, Mm -hmm. what's the deal there? Yeah. Okay, so we're early in this storyline, so I'm not going to say too much, obviously. But it is at this point when we hear this, it's like, Okay, our next villain is another fucking vampire hunter. It's like, okay, well, there's the next villain. And it is kind of like, what okay, another hunter. Seems like another Michael that it continues. But I guess she's not targeted at one person like Michael was. He was just doing the family thing. But I'm just like, okay, thank God. This means Julian's almost done. Yeah, that'd be nice. And this is when I was like, yeah, she's killing Julian. Mm-hmm. We kept Julian alive so we could see what she's capable of with her kills. That's what I'm assuming. And I have already said this. I think that's a fair assumption. We go over to the Grove Hill Police Station. Matt is in a cell. And Penny returns. And she says, All right, Officer Donovan, you're free to go, but I can't let you drive yourself home. And he says, I think I'll wait it out. Oh, see, we're drunk. He's like, I don't really want to go home. I kind of hate it there. Yeah. Penny says, Yeah, are you sure you don't want to call a friend? The girl who does our turndown service just left. Hysterical. Mistreating prisoners. Yeah. Hysterical that prisoners just lay on cement. That's really fun. (laughs) Matt says, I'm a little light in the friend department right now. That's not true. You have tons of friends. You're just being a bitch ass. It would all pick you up if you called. You just don't want to call because you're pissed at them. Yeah. Penny says, oh, you know, I heard about your graduation, the whole freak mining fire thing. I can't imagine what it'd be like to lose half my class. I'm sorry you had to go through that. And he says, thanks, but it was actually my entire fucking class. Yeah, it was literally everyone but me. And freak mining fire. Awesome. I, I love that lie that we came up with. It's really depressing. Thanks, girl. Yeah. She says, you know, it's weird that town officials didn't get FEMA involved, or at least increase emergency response. It's almost like everyone's resigned to letting the fires burn out on their own. He said, girl, unfortunately, I'm kind of the one town official right now, and I'm losing it a bit. We haven't had a mayor in ages. Our sheriff just died. I'm literally the one cop, and we didn't involve FEMA because it was a lie. Matt says, yeah, I guess that's the way it seems. And she says, but if everyone sits around doing nothing... There's not going to be a town left. It's like, okay, thanks. It's like, girl, we know. That's why he's so pissy. Thanks for your input. Thanks for your input, junior deputy of Grove Hill Police Department. I didn't think you were a seasoned crime fighter. Literally. (laughs) She says, oh, one last thing. And she drops his duffel bag of vampire weapons on the ground. She says, what the hell did we find in your truck? And he says, well, I didn't give you consent to search that. To come up with a lie anyway, I like to lurk. Yeah, I would say I like whittling. I just went to a whittling convention. What, she's going to look that up? Please. <laughs> Please. I went on a big camping trip with my friends. That's what I was so tired at this party that I went to right after I got back. And that's why I swerved. And at this camping trip, we decided to all whittle and build stuff. And Yeah, my friend even texted me like, awesome whittling this weekend, bro. Love you. That's why I looked at my phone. Well, I I got a text from my one friend who said, hey, where's all the stuff I whittled? And I said, don't worry, I brought it back home with me. And they said, wow, your bag must be full of stuff. Like, it must look almost suspicious. And I was like, yeah, good thing I drank and drove. (laughs) Don't worry about it, though. I'm a cop. And so as soon as I pull the badge out, I'll be on my way. (laughs) And she says, "Okay, well, I'm going to go. She says, well, that was a lot of information. You can actually drive home. Actually, get your Mystic Falls ass out of Grove Hill. (laughs) We go over to Alaric's apartment. Caroline is opening the gifts. She's so real because she says like, oh, these gifts are for Rick. And then she opens them. She's just like me. Well, and she's like smiling, opening all the gifts. I would too, because opening a bunch of baby socks. Great day. But then on the desk, she sees a letter from SMU. Southern Methodist University. A college in Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. And we know that. In three years, Rick is going to live in Dallas, Texas. So we see where it's going. Yeah. And the letter is like, oh, my God, thank you so much for your interest in our anthropology department. We would love to interview you. It's so goofy that he would get one job as a professor at a university, but at least Whitmore, like he snuck in there after Shane. At least when he got the Whitmore job, he was a vampire. So he could have compelled that job. Yeah. But I guess this one, they're like, well, he got one professor job. We could use some occult Studies in Dallas. That seems like something we would do at Southern Methodist University. Well, and they want him to apply to the tenure track in the anthropology department. So we don't really know exactly what he's teaching, but it's it's occult studies for sure. He just took all of Isabel's research because he was like, she's not going to use this. And that's fair. <laughs> that's fair payment for what she did to him. Yeah. Rick comes in and Caroline says, hey, I think we should wash these onesies with the hypoallergenic detergent first. Where are the keys to the laundry room? And Rick says, it's midnight. We have plenty of time to take care of all this stuff. And she says, I know, but we should also really get a head start on those car seats because I read somewhere that first time parents are always messing those up. And did you happen to notice if the monitor came with little batteries? Because you don't have any around here. And the last thing you need are screaming, crying babies in the middle of the night. And you can't even hear them. And he says, hey, so what's going on with you? You okay?" He said, you're clearly reacting to something. (laughs) She shows him the letter and she says, hey, when were you going to tell me you were leaving? And he says, well, when I officially got the job. That's fair. Yeah, fair enough. You don't want to jinx it. She says, what's wrong with the job you have now? And he says, well, nothing's wrong with the job. It's the place. And she says, "Uh, there's faculty daycare. Hello. And a preschool right here on campus. And he says, it's not really about like the preschool or the daycare. I'm not raising my kids anywhere near Mystic Falls or Whitmore College or, and she says, vampires. And he says, yeah. He says, "I I recognize that's a little rude considering you're my vampire surrogate, but why lie? Yeah. He said, but you get it. (laughs) He says, look, Caroline, I was under the impression that once the babies were born that you weren't going to be involved, which is what she's been saying. Yeah. The lie she's been telling. And she says, no, I won't because they're not mine. They're yours and Joe's. Anyway, I actually think it's really smart. You know, safety first. You and your babies should get as far away from here as you can. But clearly she's upset by this. And we know she moves to Dallas. So we haven't really had to deal with the engagement in a while but now it's it's clear it's getting closer i just pray that i don't want to see them kiss i don't want to see them kiss you can allude to maybe they did i mean i guess they got engaged they must kiss there's no way they got engaged without kissing i mean some couples wait for their kiss until their wedding day not this couple yeah not these these (laughs) fours. And you know what? If I'm Klaus and I hear about Caroline getting with Stefan, I'm like, fair enough. Love that guy. That's my bestie bestie. But I hear about her getting with Rick. It's like, oh, that's worse than Tyler. No, come on. Come to New Orleans, Queen. We go to the Lockwood house. Damon is sitting by the fire, picturing Elena's body burning that he just did. Yeah, he's reckoning with this, it appears. Although who knows what he did? Like, did he put it back in the storage container? Did he leave Tyler there? I know. Super unclear. Stefan comes in and says, hey, where were you? And Damon says, I was out. I had to clear my head. And Stefan says, okay, well, just to put it all on the table, you know, I let you go in my virtual hell. We were drowning together, and the only way for me to escape was to turn my back on you. Everything I've been hallucinating since then was to drive that point home. And Damon says, of course it was. The only way for you to be the hero and have a happy ending is to leave me in your wake. And Stefan says, well, how do you figure What do you mean, how do you figure? That's what you just figured. That's literally what the stone told you and what you learned. You know how he got there. (laughs) Damon's like, I'm not stupid. I know I caused quite a bit of issues for you. Yeah. Damon says, because my true self is dark, brother, and all that light just keeps getting in the way, keeping me from being who I really am. And Stefan says, which is what? Reckless, manipulative, selfish? And Damon says, sounds about right. And Stefan says, yeah, it is. It is right. But you're also my brother. <laughs> it's like, okay, you can be a little more comforting to him. It's like, come on. Where's Elena? I know. Call somebody else. Elena would know exactly what to say to both of them right now. Yeah. Stefan says, you're my brother. I'm not going to give up on you. Not now. Not ever. You're stuck with me, Damon. I need you to know that. And Damon's like, well, what if I told you? <laughs> <laughs> Damon says, Stefan, I, and Stefan says, what is it? And Damon says, I, um... And there's really no way to say it besides I burned Elena. Like, there's really no way to soften this blow. There's no euphemism. There's nothing. And Stefan says, hey, whatever it is, you can tell me. And Damon says, "Mm, I don't know about that. Damon says, well, we're out of bourbon. And Stefan says, is that it? Damon says, yep, that's it. And you can tell Stefan doesn't really buy that. But it's day one out of the stone. He's not going to say a bunch of shit now. It's been a long day. Why? question it honestly why dig into this and then damon raises a glass and says here's to drowning together it's like oh that's not (laughs) like i don't think that's what we want well and i think again i think they need to like they need to see like here is what the stone is telling us and i guess damon can't really zoom out yet because he's kind of still in the middle of it Mm -hmm. but again it is considered the source like yeah the stone is telling Stefan that he'd be happier without damon Yeah. Because the stone wants him to embrace himself being a monster, go back to being a ripper. Let's zoom out. And I know it's hard for the both of them to be vulnerable. But unfortunately, in this case, we have to both sit down, be completely honest about what the stone showed us the lesson we took from it. Does that sound like the lesson it was trying to teach me? Okay, now that we have both of our experiences, let's consider how we should approach this and how we should feel about this. Actually, that is, you saying that made me realize that that is really what taking Elena away from this show loses, is the vulnerability. Yeah. Because all of the other characters struggle with vulnerability, except Elena. Elena never struggled with vulnerability or compassion. And all of the other ones struggle with it. Like Caroline, Bonnie, Matt, all of them. And Elena's the one person who can bring it out of everyone. Like, don't get me wrong. Caroline brings some of it out of Stefan. We've built some of that up but Stefan is still closed off and you have to really pull stuff out of him. And Caroline's really closed off too. That It's a struggle for her. It comes very naturally to Elena. Yeah, and Damon and Bonnie can work together to get to their stuff because they approach things in the same way. But like, Bonnie's got a lot to do. She can't be coddling Damon. Like, Damon needs a lot of help. Elena has a lot of help to give. Like, she's just able to bring that vulnerability out and give people a safe space to talk about their feelings because she would never judge them for anything. And that always gets them to solution faster. I think that's the heart of why this show doesn't work without Elena, is because vulnerability is a struggle for every other character. And without vulnerability, it like every task is like much harder. And the only person that could they could really do that with is Caroline, but they can't because she's a control freak. And they're also they're making her vulnerable in a new way and making her maternal, but it takes away the true vulnerability. It's like they're making her soft and feminine, but not vulnerable. Yes, exactly. So then we go to three years from now. It's like, oh, okay. We're back in Dallas. We're back at the news station. The video of Caroline being held hostage is playing. And we see someone walk up with a gun. And at first it looks like a woman. Yeah. I think we change shots. Like, I think we see the woman at first. Maybe not. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it is. But we then see Matt walks up to like an AV container. Mm -hmm. He opens it and Caroline is in there with like tape over her mouth. She's tied up. So he pulls tape off her mouth. And she says, what are you doing here? I thought you were in Mystic Falls. Matt puts on like a deeper voice to show that time has passed and he's hardened by the world. To show that his soft side is gone. He says, I had to stop by and visit some buddies in Dallas PD and convince them this hostage thing was a hoax. Get up. He really does do a Christian Bale Batman voice. Or like the community Danny Pudi doing the fake Batman voice is what it really sounds like. Yeah. Caroline says, you can put the gun down. Caroline's like, chill out, dude. And Matt says, get up. And she says, okay, thank you. She says, okay, I was planning on it, asshole. Like, give me a second. And then he says, you can go now. And she says, that's it? And he says, you already did what we needed. And Caroline says, we? You're helping her? Matt says, you were the easiest way to get to Stefan. Don't take it personally. And Caroline says, don't take it personally? I have a family, Matt. Carolyn's like, are you kidding me? And then Matt says, I had a family too and a girlfriend, and a life, and now I don't. So your problems don't mean anything to me anymore. Now go, get out of sight and stay out of sight until the Huntress gets what she wants. So that's where we end the episode. So I do wanna ask, what's up with Matt's drama and the time jump? So I'll point out a couple things. One, I'll just say he's dressed and acts kind of like those same people that took Enzo. Further fuel for that. Two, there was a, a second where I was like, oh, what brought Matt into this? And I was like, oh, was that little Lady Cop the Huntress, actually? Because I've been in my Natalie Kelly is the Huntress truther because I know the actress is here. But I was like, okay, I have to open my mind up because I really have no evidence of that, that she's this character, you know? Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe his little girlfriend is the Huntress. That's how he got in. He said, I used to have a girlfriend. I was like, oh, okay, no. Lady Cop is girlfriend, not the Huntress. So what do you think happened? Assuming that Lady Cop becomes girlfriend, what do you think happened to her? Is she dead? I bet she died. How'd she die? I bet she joined in on the vampire hunting thing with Matt and the Huntress because she already sees the stakes. So she'll get drawn to the vampire stuff early. And I bet as a result of either like chasing Stefan or something else that she died in in that process. Or if she didn't die, that she was very badly hurt. And so Matt is like, instead of blaming himself for getting her involved in that, he's blaming vampires again. Because that's his kind of gag. Okay. One thing I want to raise as well is, you know, we've been talking about this three years from now time jump. Sure. But we've been seeing three years from now from the beginning of the season. And in the time jump, we've seen maybe a couple days. In the season, we've seen, like, multiple months. So three years from when? I think we just have to accept it's, like, generally three years from the beginning of the season. You can't think too hard about that. Well, to be fair, I think it's really only As we've noticed this season, particularly the timeline in the present is muddy at best. It's muddy at best, but I really think it's been from the beginning of season seven to now, a few weeks, maybe a month. See, but Damon was out for a couple weeks and Caroline's like suddenly almost having babies. So I think we're looking at at least three or four months. I don't think we are. I think, yes, Damon was out for a couple weeks. So I think at most it's a month and a half. I think the pregnancy thing. This is true of most shows is that pregnancy timelines are always iffy, especially when an actress is actually pregnant. Yeah, I think we're meant to be unclear of how cooked the babies were when we found out they were there. Yeah, I don't think we can use the pregnancy as a reliable timeline for anything. Yeah, that's fair. I think from the beginning of the season to now, it's been a month or a month and a half. I don't think they have a set timeline of what it's meant to be. Well, remember, because in episode one, they keep referring to things like it's been a couple weeks, but it hasn't. Then it'll be like yesterday. Like they'll say, oh, when that happened, and then it'll be like yesterday. And so they don't really know. Yeah, I don't think it's been as long as you think. But I think it has been longer than the time jump time. But I do think this season in particular, if we try to find reason in the timeline, we're going to only hurt ourselves. Yeah. It's just, it's a little silliness, but you know, that's the fun of season seven, it appears. Yeah. That's the fun of season seven. I mean, gotta love it, but you know, at what cost? I mean, it is truly like, and it's not just Elena leaving, but I do think. That's a big reason for a lot of this. The writing of Lily and Julian is bad. I think they overcompensated on many things to try to come back from Elena where they just They really didn't need to push so hard. This is what it always comes down to with the Vampire Diaries is that overcomplication is the enemy of this show. Mm -hmm. The best storylines are simple at their core. Yeah. The originals is really about kids with daddy issues. Yeah. And that's the trap they fell in with the Travelers is that they overcomplicated it. They built this extra lore. And I think with the Gemini Coven, they built this extra lore, but it was followable enough and it was a family story and it was all at service of a family story i think when they stick to family stories recognizable universal dynamics they can't go wrong and i I can see the bones of it with this yes i think that really storyline could have been so interesting and they had threads that they could have pulled on that they didn't it's the same as augustine Bring in Julian as a complication, not a full villain, that then leads us to this Huntress storyline. That makes sense to me as a structure. Yeah. But I think they just built up details that they didn't need and overcomplicated things as they went through that. And they did so much with Lily only to kill her. And I think the family storyline could have been really interesting if, like, let's say, for example, that Lily does choose to kill Valerie to prove to Damon she cares. Yeah. Well, and that's the issue with the heretics. They tried to build them into interesting characters. And so they tried to connect them with people, the whole Valerie Stephan thing we've gone on at length. Whereas I think if they had had like two or three heretics and built them as a family unit with Lily, and I think this family question of, that I've said this before, found family versus biological family and how you approach that. And then having you know, that complication and then Julian comes in and it, really shifts the family dynamic even more because now it's like a nuclear family unit. Whereas before it was like Lily was safe and had to leave. And then she ended up in the same situation, but she still isn't choosing her kids. And then, you know, maybe you have, uh, like, I still think it was serviced by Lily dying, but I think you had to kill Julian as well. And maybe that's when this Huntress comes in, she kills Julian. And as a result, maybe at that point, they've linked Lily and Julian and then Lily dies as a result of that. Or even, like, we can do the whole same storyline with Lily dying. And then, you know, they're all upset. They all take a night off. And then the Huntress returns and kills Julian. And kind of in the middle of the night, they don't know what happened. Like, Stephen Damon, Valerie, they're all like, we'll deal with Julian in the morning. They come back in the morning to find him dead, like, with a note. And then that kicks us into the Huntress storyline. We don't deal with Julian. But I do think, at the heart of it, really, they did too many heretics. Yeah, We really only needed Valerie... Mary Louise and Nora. Yeah. And as much as I like Oscar and Bo, they really didn't serve much of a purpose. And I get we could have had one more to do the Oscar storyline and then he dies. Well, yeah, that's what I think it makes sense to have like one that dies right away. Like the Malcolm death, I get where it started this evacuation of the town, but that was stupid. Yeah, we need to cut that whole thing. Yeah, just make it a normal town. Make them all come to college. I don't care. Like I really don't give a fuck. But it just, it got away from them in many ways. And I think the key is- introducing too many new characters and they wanted to make them too scary too fast well i think they wanted to make more characters and build up enough connective tissue that it was like it with all this stuff they won't even notice elena's gone it's like you've spent six seasons building very interesting relationships among these characters i think they're also scared to write in like discussion of elena because she chose to leave but like that can be a very interesting storyline you know they could have played longer with like damon and bonnie and like this new hiccup in their relationship of like being afraid Damon's going to kill her. Or maybe Damon has like, you know, I don't want to go down the same path of like Damon having a meltdown, Stefan having a meltdown, but unfortunately tried and true things are tried and true for a reason. I just think in general, it's like overcomplicated where this all went wrong is in the very first episode of the season, they Mm -hmm. need to make the heretics seem scary. So they make the heretics do like a very violent, kill of a bunch of people in town Mm -hmm. i think it's more interesting a for the show as a whole but b for the characters of the heretics if they really do want to integrate in society Mm -hmm. and they have a hard time reintegrating because they're not used to having live blood yeah like not purposefully killing all these people yeah but that they've also you know we have to remember that as heretics they're looked at as like pariahs in their family the way kai was and how how do people who are all pariahs form a group together and then how do they figure out how to not be pariahs in the current age. And then you make Lily the main villain because the issues with Lily are still there, but we don't need to make all the heretics some like basic evil people. Well, yeah, build Lily up as this manipulative woman who's taken advantage of these weak people. Yeah. And then that also helps you grow the heretics as redeemable characters. And then maybe you bring in Julian as someone else who she's manipulated, who now she's outgrown the need for. And now she calls the huntress in to kill him of like, oh, you didn't know he was back. We brought him back. Here he is. Or she just wants to manipulate people. And then she gets back into the real world and realizes, like, what's this all for me manipulating these people? Yeah. I want to do better with my kids. I realize now, blah, blah. blah. And then you can still have her redemption, and have her die. Yeah. I think the the issue, again, too many heretics. And I do think they wanted standworthy moments. I think they put too much stock in having two lesbians. And don't get me wrong, I was still to see the lesbians. I'm glad they did it. I'm glad they did it. It worked for me, but they didn't do it in a way that made any sense because they just made one Stannable and her girlfriend. Yeah. So altogether, just season seven is rough. We'll see if the introduction of the Huntress makes it better. I have higher hopes because it's going back to basics a little bit. Like a hunter is an effective villain in a way. We'll see if they overcomplicate it. I bet because she has her own special sword, Yeah. which already seems like too much, but we'll see. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and Doppelgängers, please tell your friends and give us five stars, video, and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts, and follow us on Instagram at Doppelgängers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother. <laughs>